Thank you. There we are. There I am. Oh, probably too loud now. Too much of Steve. Can you ever have too much of Steve? That's the question. We are starting... <laughs> Stop laughing. We, can start, we are starting a new series today. We finished Unstoppable Church last week with Der- Barry's great send-off, literally, to the Ephesian elders. And we're starting a new series today. Uh, who has read this book, Relational Mission, A Way of Life? Who's been able to read it? Quite a few hands have gone up. We still have some more spare copies at the back. Is it working now? Anything happening? There I am. There I am. There we go. Put this back. I hope I can encourage you. If you haven't read it already, if I can encourage you to read it, we have some spare copies at the back, £4 each, or we can arrange a couple of library copies to uh, pass around if necessary. If you don't have £4, we have subsidised the price for you to make it easier for you to get hold of. This is written by Mike Betts. We are part of Relational Mission. That is our wider family, our wider network of churches we are a part of, which of itself is part, and I'll explain a bit more later on, is a part of an even greater umbrella called New Frontiers. That's who we are as a group of churches. Mike Betts looks after us, he parents us, he looks after our, our, us as leaders and us as churches. And um, he's written this book, and these are the core values of who we are as relational mission. And um, we're going to be going through this book as a sermon series in seven parts, Starting today, um, we're going to look at a number of different things. We're going to look at evangelism and discipleship. We're going to look at guidance and prayer. We're going to look at serving the poor, look at church planting. We've got other people coming to help us preach this series as well. Do you know Craig Prentice from Ramsgate? Most of you have probably met him now. He's coming over soon to talk about planting new churches on that subject because they at Ramsgate are looking to plant into Margate hopefully next year. So he's the guy who's doing it on the ground. Let's get him to talk to us about it. He'll share that part of the book. Uh, we've got Dave Creasy. Who remembers Dave Creasy from Maidstone? Some of you will remember him. He came to us when we were still at Sea Street a few years ago. Good friend of mine. He's one of the elders at Maidstone. He'll be coming to preach about serving the poor. He has amazing links in the community in Maidstone. The stuff he's been up to in the past and is doing right now, he's been meeting up with the lead of KCC and everything about how we can minister to the poor. He'll be coming to preach on that subject, on that chapter, here in a few weeks' time. Today we're going to start with chapter one, strangely enough. And um, if I asked you what comes to mind when I ask you the word family, when I mention the word family, what comes to mind when I mention that? Some good stuff, I hope. Maybe some bad stuff. Depends, children. Depends on our experiences and our upbringings. Depends what we've been through, what we're f- fending, dealing with now, what we're contending with today. The word family can conjure up all sorts of different things for us. But today we want to talk about what's called what we call a real family. I'm going to explain a little bit more. We're going to look at three aspects of family. We're going to look at being a birth family. I'll explain it more in a minute. We're going to look at being a local family. And we're going to look at being a global family. But John chapter 1 sets the scene for us, first of all, right in the middle of that first passage. Verse, uh, let's start with verse 9. John chapter 1 verse 9 says this. This is Jesus' best friend on this planet. The one human, while well, he was here on this planet, is the one human he was closest to more than any other. And this John is, is writing this. He says, The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He, Jesus, was in the world, 
and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Lord, as we, uh, as we uh, start a new course of looking at different aspects, fresh truths of, of what, what you are, who you are, who we are in you, Lord, as we spend these next few weeks looking into what you intend for us as your church, as your people, Lord, help us just to, if we hear stuff that's very familiar to us and we've heard before, may we hear it in a fresh way. And if it's something we've not heard before, help us to take hold of it and grasp it in the way that you want us to. I pray, this is your word, this is your living word, and we want to be challenged and changed and transformed as a result of hearing it. Let these words not go in one ear and out the other, but may you penetrate home to our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Children of God. Matthew 12, verse 50, Jesus also says, Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The Bible tells us we are a family. We are a birth family, a local family, and a global family. You see, the church is described in different ways in the Bible. We're described as a temple, aren't we? We're a living temple. We're now, the holy place is no longer somewhere in Jerusalem or in the synagogues and so on and so forth. We're in a tabernacle amongst the people in the desert. He resides in us. The Holy Spirit, he resides in us, and we are his holy place. Church is not about the, the, the bricks and the mortar. Church is about the people, the holy place is us as his people. We are described as a bride, aren't we? Jesus calls himself the bridegroom and we're the, we're the bride. He's, he's preparing us to, you know, one day he's going to come back and take us home to the marital place where we're just going to celebrate each other forever together in this amazing picture of marriage. And in fact, what's, we, t- we talk about describing our relationship with Jesus as a bit like marriage. Actually, marriage is, is a picture of our relationship with him, actually. And that's what it's, it, it, he describes his church as his bride. That's us. He, we're described as an army in many ways. In the Bible, it talks about the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's an attacking moment, isn't it? The gates of hell are on the defense and we're attacking. We're, t- we're taking land. That's an army metaphor, isn't it? It's about, the Bible talks about us in uh, 2 Corinthians 10 about us waging war, wielding weapons, demolishing strongholds, having power to demolish strongholds. Ephesians 6 talks about us wearing the armour of God. In many ways, we're depicted as an army on the move. The unstoppable church again, isn't it? There's lots of metaphors that describe us. However, when it comes to family, we are described as family. That's not a metaphor. That's a fact. We're not like a family. Actually, we are his family. As his people, you see, we're not mere subjects or citizens We are so much more than that. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. You're in John, so it's two more books ahead. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 and verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That includes daughters, sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God. See, Paul there is writing to this church in Rome and he's using the the language of adoption to help them realise quite what Christ has done for them and quite who they are in God. It's talking about adoption. Now, to the Hebrew mind, adoption was not popular. It may happen rarely, but it was not a thing they were really into. Adoption wasn't something that happened really in the Hebrew world. In the Roman world, it was a big thing. It was legal and it was binding. To Roman minds, adoption was something big, something major, something fundamental in your identity as a person when you're adopted. It was a big thing. It was quite popular. See, in the Roman world, you could disown your own biological child. You could do that. People still do that today. But legally, in the Roman society at the time, they could disown their own biological children. However, if you've adopted a child, you're not allowed to disown them. They're yours forever. You could disown your own biological child, but not an adopted child. If, you're, if you've been adopted in the Roman world, you are now treated like a new person. Does this sound familiar? You're treated like a new person. You've lost all rights and responsibilities of your old family. But all debts and obligations to your old family will be as if they never existed. You are now someone else with a new name. You now belong to someone else fully and forever. That was the Roman understanding of adoption. In some ways it's similar to how we perceive adoption today. You change your surname. You now belong to this new family. You are someone else now. But in some ways they made even more of it, I guess. And so the same is for us. That's what Paul's saying to the the church in Rome and now to us as well. He's saying, God is now your Abba Father. He's not just your king. He's not just your ruler. He's not just your rescuer. He's all those things, but more. He's your father. And so we can cry out, verse 15, Abba Father. That just means Papa Daddy. It's intimate as well as filled with reverence. Papa Daddy, Abba Father. That's who he is. Jesus is our big brother. We are co-heirs with Christ for this amazing heavenly inheritance of eternal life with God. Jesus is our big brother and our big brother went to the cross for us. So we are God's children. And just to prove the point yet again, there's plenty more places in the Bible, but Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Let me just turn to it. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, same again, but when, this is Paul saying again to the church in Galatia, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy. So you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And if a son or daughter, then you are an heir through God. That's who we are. We are a, spiritually, we're a birth family. That's why we talk about being born again. It's new birth. You are now someone else. And in him, he is now your father and you are now his kid. Isn't that amazing? We're his spiritual birth family. That's who we are as Christians. On an individual basis, you are one of his now. You are his child. He is your dad. But it's more than just about you. And it's more than just about me. More importantly, it's about us. We're, so, we're swept up into something together. Which is where it comes on to local family. This is why church is not a club or an enterprise. 
not just merely business. This is the family business. This is the family business. This is dad passing on to us, his heirs, the most amazing job to continue in his name. And so when we look through the New Testament, we see what the church looked like back then. We see what we should in many ways be aspiring to. It's living out who you are. And as they do that, you see their heart for each other. Just last week when Barry was preaching about Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders, the, the, uh, the affection for each other is just huge. See how far they've travelled just so they can see Paul and for him to see them. and Their love for one another is massive. And when Paul writes in the uh, letter to uh, Philemon, um, in verse 12, he talks about a young man called Onesimus that he's sending. He said, I'm sending you Onesimus. And he describes him, he's my very heart. I'm sending you. I'm not just sending you a bloke. I'm sending you my son. I'm sending you my very heart. There's this amazing affection that goes more beyond friendship. There's this family values that are so ingrown into the church there because they recognize who they are. And this is why Mike Betts in this chapter, this very first chapter of this book, he describes it like this. He said, the smell of the New Testament is the culture and atmosphere of dear friends, brothers and sisters together on a mission. We are more than just an organization. We are more than just a club. We are our family. And that's why our own vision here at Beacon Church starts with just that, starts with family. Could you just have the next slide up, please, Janet? Thank you. This is our vision for where we believe, how we believe... Um, kind of the shape and the taste and the flavour of Beacon Church is meant to be. This is what God's calling us to be. And it's all about family and growth and invitation. But it starts with family for this very reason. This is who we are. And the more we grasp who we are, the more we will live the way he wants us to live. Does that make sense? Should we say it together? We haven't said it for a little while. Should we say it together? It's a family of Jesus followers reaching across Herm Bay and further, encouraging each other to grow and inviting others to join the adventure. One more time, a family of Jesus followers reaching across Herne Bay and further, encouraging each other to grow, and inviting others to join the adventure. It starts with family. It's something foundational, isn't it? Once you know who you are, you end up acting like you should. We can try and change the behaviour on the top, but it should start from the inside out. And it starts with being family. See, for me, my life on this planet began with my family. We began with my parents. For better or for worse, they'll admit they weren't perfect. They did a lot of good stuff. They made some mistakes. I'm doing some good stuff, I trust with Amy. I'm making lots of mistakes. That's what parents do. My parents set me up for life. And they fed me. They clothed me. They protected me. They advised me, gave me guidance. They disciplined me when I needed it. I was naughty now and again. I was, believe it or not. I was naughty now and again. They provided all these things for me. They, they kept me safe. They gave me wisdom. They gave me counsel. They fed, literally fed me and clothed me. That's what family should be like here at Beacon Church, for example, in our local church. Feeding. We should be fed here. Being fed on the Word of God. This is being fed. Taking this truth and digesting it. Don't just listen to it. Go, that was a nice talk. Off you go. Back to your week. That's not being fed. When you listen to what God's saying and you go home and you digest it, working through it in growth group and with each other and texting each other questions and coming back to the preacher because you didn't understand or agree with something, let's work it out together. Let's feast on it. Let's feed on the Word of God. This is about being fed, isn't it? It's about being weaned from milk to the meat. That's what we need. 
And if you, if you just keep saying, oh, it's just about, I'll just keep the simple things simple. It's much easier for me. God wants you to get off the milk. He wants you to grow up and contend with the big truths. He wants you to do that. Because as you do, you grow up and you can contend with bigger things and he can give you more to, to work into. He's got great plans for all of us. It's about growing up and being fed, eating. We should be clothed here. We should be equipped with different tools for contending out there and contending with the crises that come our way. We should be equipped. We should be clothed. The Bible talks about, I mentioned earlier, about the armour of God, Ephesians chapter 6. It's about clothing ourselves in knowing who we are. It's about identity, really, the armour of God. Helmet of salvation. You saved. The breastplate of righteousness. It's not in your works that makes you right before God. It's, it's, it's understanding you've got this breastplate of righteousness given you to you by Jesus. It's wearing the belt of truth. What is the truth? Feed on the word of God. Sword of the Spirit. This is the sword of the Spirit. Shield of faith. Who are you trusting? Are you placing your trust in your knowledge or your friends? Are you finding fear in the lack of those? Or are you just placing your trust, your faith in who God is? So when those fiery darts come, you go, no, I'm his kid. And I'm going to turn to him first, not last. And having your, having your, your shoes of readiness to share the gospel, always being ready to travel where he wants you to do and bump into people and just say, do you know Jesus? Let me tell you about him. Sharing the good news, being invitational, inviting people to come and join this adventure. It's about being clothed. And we'll be talking about everyone a witness in two weeks' time. I think I'll be preaching to everyone a witness, which is within relational mission. It's just the umbrella term for equipping all of us, encouraging all of us to be witnesses. It's not just for the people with the gob or people with the knowledge. All of us can be witnesses for Jesus. In fact, we are all witnesses anyway. Because if you're not being a good one, you're being a bad one. Not being funny, but it's true. How can we all witness for Christ in a good way? Through our actions, through our mouths as well. We'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks. But it's about clothing us. Clothes for the environment outside. Which also comes into protection. This is a place where you are not alone. There is safety in numbers. I, I meet people time and time again. I love Jesus, but not his church. Sometimes they've been genuinely hurt by the church and I, feel, I really feel for them. And I get it. I get it. Quite often it's, it's, it's an excuse not to be accountable, to be honest. Or maybe they don't actually... If you love Christ, you're going to love his bride, actually, to be honest. If you really love Christ, you'll love his church and you'll find a way of getting around the stuff or dealing with the hurt. And there is hurt and there is abuse within the church sometimes and that's wrong and we need to deal with that. But don't let that be an excuse to keep away. Of course, I'm talking to people who come to church, who come and be a part of this community. But I trust people will hear this on the, t on, the, uh, on the website. Don't isolate yourself. Don't be a lone ranger. Because then the devil will do everything he can to keep you isolated, to keep you fragile, to keep you apathetic. There is safety in numbers. This is about protection, isn't it? Together, there is strength in numbers. Working together as one, complementary gifts, I don't have all the gifts. I don't have all the answers. Between us, God has given us what we need. The gifts and the resources between us to do what he's planned for us as his church here in Home Bay. It's working together, isn't it, as a team. Praying for one another. For the biggest weapon we've got. Praying for one another. It's about protection, isn't it? Counsel, wisdom. Alone, like I just mentioned, we don't have all the answers. Together we can learn and listen to each other. Everyone you meet is an opportunity for you, to, for you to learn something. Don't discard people. Don't write them off or think they know less than you. 
Every person you meet and talk to, you can learn something from them. It's true. Always remember that. And particularly here in the church. Together we can learn and listen. Yesterday, we went to Curzon Abbey for the picnic. We had a picnic yesterday. A lovely time. Really, really good. That was more than just a picnic. That was about building family, wasn't it? It was about building family. And the amount of conversations I had with people, lots of listening, lots of chatting, I loved it. Just spending a bit of quality time for a few minutes with different people. Some of it was just talking about hobbies. Some of it was just talking about our weeks. Some of it got quite deep quite quickly. And it's good. It's about emotional support. It's about listening, about knowing more about each other, understanding each other more, knowing how we can pray for each other, and sometimes sharing advice and wisdom together. It goes, it's more than just having a friendly, homely place. It's about family, isn't it? We should be here for each other, particularly knowing how to pray for each other. That really, really helps. Listen to each other. A couple more. Discipline. None of us like it. It's a necessary thing. It's about fostering and handling everything through the lens of family. That includes discipline. It has to. For our own safety and for our health. Me at home, I had various boundaries when I was growing up, and rightly so. I hated it at the time. But there were consequences to when I stepped out of line. But there would have been even bigger consequences if they'd let me have a free-for-all when I was growing up. It's about safety and protection, isn't it? You know, if that friend of yours is a bad influence and you can't be discerning enough to not let it rub off on you, we're going to stop you hanging out with them. Might not have liked it at the time. That's a good thing. It's about my safety and my protection. And the same happens here in the church. It's about the wider family's benefit. John, David and myself, as elders, we're here for to... to to guard the truth here and to make sure we're all being fed on the word of God to give us direction to hear from God we're here for your protection as well the onus is on us to be listening keep our ears to the ground and listening out we need to be aware of who comes in and what they're sharing or what they're saying are they damaging people are they being unhelpful in their relationships and their gossiping we're not here to jump on people and thankfully church discipline is a very rare thing certainly here at Beacon it's a very very rare thing it's not about don't step out of line or all terrified. That's not a family atmosphere. That's not a family culture. This is about parenting and making sure you guys are safe. It's different, isn't it? Discipline is needed sometimes to have a chat with, person, with a person or say, really don't want to do this, but you're not welcome here. You're bad for the people we're meant to be looking after. That's very rare. Very, very rare. But we, someone's got to say that sometimes. That's discipline, isn't it? It's about health and safety. One more encouragement. Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about, I long to see you, I want to come to you in Rome, because I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Encouragement is a massive, massive weapon in the church, and we don't do it enough. If you see someone do something great, say something great, something they need a big pat on the back, don't go, oh, well done them. Go and tell them. <laughs> go and tell them. Encourage one another. Spur one another on. I'll leave it there because the list can go on, can't it? But yeah, I hope you get the understanding. Church families should represent biological families as well. The ideal biological families. That is who we are. That's what we're here for. We are doing it. I want to commend you guys. We are doing it. We've got a long way to go. We've got a lot to learn. We are doing it. We really are. When we had a family's own meal a few months ago, friends of ours came. And during the meal, she turned to me. I go, I love how you're all just like, the way you just like get on with things together and you laugh together and you're making us feel welcome and providing. You did all this for free. and It's just like family, isn't it? Funny you should say that, I said. Let me tell you what the Bible says. And I got in there and told her what the Bible says. 
she spotted it. We're doing it. So keep doing what you're doing. And let's learn to do it even more as we go. This is a place where everyone counts and everyone has a role. We've all got a part to play. So roll your sleeves up and get stuck in. I will say this before we move on. We can't finger the blame on lack of support or lack of intimacy when we're not willing to invest in it ourselves. Don't think, oh, nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. Do you go to a growth group? No. Do you keep in touch with any of them? No. Do you talk to people on Sundays? No, I hide at the back. It's just like, maybe we need to have a little chat then. <laughs> We've got to invest in it if we're going to get anything out of it, don't we? Was it the old cliche about stop looking for a per- perfect church? It doesn't exist. If it did, you'd ruin it. <laughs> Nicky Gumbel says this. He says, join, instead, join an imperfect church and serve in every way you can to make it nearer perfection. We've got a part to play. So let's roll our sleeves up and get involved. So it's birth family, local family. This is who we are as Beacon Church. we just have the final slide again. We'll be back to where we were. Thank you, Janet. Global family. It's more than just Beacon. It's more than just us. We're part of something far bigger. We are part of the global church, but we could be part of the global church and have nothing to do with them, couldn't we? And some churches do, unfortunately. We need a bigger picture. We need to think outside and have a bigger perspective of just Herne Bay. There's a whole world out there that we can make a difference in. But thankfully, we are ch- ch- part of an active family of churches called Relational Mission, as, as I've just described which comes out of a a wider banner, a wider umbrella called New Frontiers. That started in somewhere around the 70s. A man called Terry Virgo and some other friends filled with the Holy Spirit and just wanted to revel in what he was giving them in prophecy and tongues and so on. And their churches just weren't places that were used to that and could really be a healthy place for that to thrive. And they end up meeting in each other's homes, uh, which then became churches, which then became big Bible weeks who went to Stonely, Back in the day, huge, great, thousands and thousands of people for Bible weeks every year. Even that became too big to relate together too well. So by which time Barry, had, uh, Barry, <laughs> Terry had raised up spiritual sons, effectively, who were good at fathering and parenting churches themselves. And he's handed over the mantle, not just to one guy, but to a bunch of brothers who could lead their families to churches together. And that's who we are. And our one is with Mike Betts, called Relational Mission. But we relate with the other spheres, as they call just a way of describing them. They're spheres. Um, so New Frontiers is now the apostles, these men who look after the spheres. New Frontiers is the group of apostles who look after their spheres. That's, that's who New Frontiers are. We all share the same values. We're part of a bigger family. And it's effectively now, you have the, the, the families with the, the, the young parents with their kids. And then you've got, they've all moved out and got their own homes. And then there's the old, older parents who've got their own homes. And you've got granddad's house. It's a bit like we're cousins. Our spheres are like cousins. We've all moved out, got our own homes, starting our own families. We're all separate houses now, but we still share the same family name. We still meet together at Christmas. It's that kind of thing. We are still a wider family. We are still part of New Frontiers. But within that, we're a part of Relational Mission. And within Relational Mission, we relate together in different ways. Some of it is more so for the leaders, just because of our availability. And us leaders need feeding. We can't feed you out of nothing. We can't run on fumes, can we? 
and we need feeding, we need being looked after as well. So we look after each other in different ways as well. Just recently, a uh, week before last, I spent a whole day in a house in Hearn with Tom Shaw and Martin Siegel from City Church, Craig Prentice, as I just mentioned, from Ramsgate, um, Hugh Pierce from Colchester came down for the day, and uh, who have I forgotten? And Roger Eaton came over from Lille as well. The only one that couldn't make it out of our, we call ourselves a rabble, a relational rabble, because we are. And the only one who couldn't make it was Kev Jones from Helsinki. Um, but another time he'll join us. But we just spent a whole day in a room, effectively, praying for each other, sharing, celebrating together, supporting one another, encouraging one another, and learning how we can walk through this in the future together. Tom Shaw kind of looks after us just as brothers. And even when he moves to California uh, in just hopefully a few weeks' time when his visa gets sorted out, he'll be popping back every, twice a year. And part of those times we'll be, we'll be getting together again with him to be supported, to be encouraged, and to learn from each other. We do that on a regular basis. Martin go down the road, we'll be meeting him in between as well. He's been really good at prompting me and giving me insight, and we've been working through what God's calling us to. Uh, even just this week coming up, myself, John, and David, we're going away with about, there's about 40 of us elders from Relational Mission, going away to a retreat for three days, putting our phones in a bucket, not turning them on till Friday. Be good for us. Be good for me. And we'll, uh, we're just going to spend time learning from the Word together, praying together, going to the bar together. But we're going to be retreating just, just to have a bit of time out to support one another so we are fed, so we can come back and feed you guys. It's about working together, about learning from each other and supporting one another. But it's not just about the leaders. I mean, there's other prayer and equipping. We all go away to Ipswich for a couple of, couple, two or three times a year as well for a couple of days. But it's also for you guys as well. We have enough. Who's been to the, enough prayer nights down at Canterbury, there's another one coming up July the 7th, I believe it is, is the next one. Uh, for all of us churches together to get to, to uh, meet and to pray and to hear from God we trust while we're there as well. It's good to pray together. It's like I said last week, who finds it hard to pray? Most of us. Who finds it easy to pray when we do it together? Most of us. July the 7th. Let's do it in a greater setting. There'll be videos and live link-ups we trust if technology works. Praying for other churches and then praying for us. Let's work together and realise we're part of something bigger. We're not alone. That's just other examples. Even in Herne Bay itself, we relate with the Baptist Church and the Anglican Church and so on. There's a number of churches we get together as um, us leaders. When, when possible, once a month, we meet for lunch. We meet together, we eat together, we pray together. It's, as long as someone declares Christ as the risen, eternal Son of God who died for us on the cross, rose again, the job's done, and that's who we place our faith in and our trust in to be right before God. If they declare that, we can agree to disagree about the rest of it. They're brothers and sisters. So let's relate together. So that's what we do. And out of that, things have come out of that. Cap and food bank. Street pastors. Yeah, joint events and joint meetings we've done together. It's all come out of relationship with the leaders in town. And long may that thrive. We are part of something bigger. Just to finish, what God started 2,000 years ago at the cross, which, which occurred on a perfect runway that he'd been building up to over the thousands of years beforehand, it was the, at the right time, leading up to that moment, and from then on was the gathering of an eternal family. It's not just to hand out tickets to heaven. He's been gathering an eternal family. He is Father God. He is Papa Daddy. 
And he loves his kids so much. He loves you more than actually you can possibly imagine. And definitely more than you sometimes feel he does. Always more than that. So even here in Relational Mission, what began in a lounge effectively 40 years ago is now representing thousands upon thousands of people across thousands of churches now. Some of those churches are churches of thousands. Part of something bigger, and that's just one stream, and there's many others. Vineyard and Salt and Light and the Anglican Church and so on. We're part of something far, far bigger. Billions of people across the world celebrate Christ today. Billions. Never forget that. And in relational mission, we want to keep a hold of that, a firm hold is our very first value that we are family. And your family may not always act like it, your biological family. And here we may not always act like it. But the truth remains, we are family. Families have squabbles. Families have high times. Families have low times. Families have personality clashes. And the saying goes, you can choose your friends, not your family. We are family. And we are necessarily called, Jesus doesn't tell us to like each other. He tells us to love each other. And love is more than emotion. Love is a choice. Love is an act. Love is a decision. So look around at each other. Look around. These are your family. You're here for each other. You can learn from each other. You can learn to love each other. Might as well start now. So you're going to spend eternity together. <laughs> Just saying. Today's Pentecost Sunday. Today's Pentecost Sunday when we celebrate when the Holy Spirit poured upon 120 people in an upper room the Saturday, 120 people living in fear. They'd met the risen Lord Jesus, but they were still doing it in, quiet, in the quiet. The next day, 3,000 of them standing up going, come on world, come at us. Overnight. That's what happened on Pentecost Sunday. And that is the church we are still a part of now. But those people would not be in relationship. They were foreigners. They weren't all just Jews. Suddenly they were from all nations, speaking different languages. Suddenly they were in relationship together. Suddenly in that moment they became family. They were saved and added. They became family. They were suddenly together in Christ. They were sharing property together, serving each other, giving together, living life together. The new life provided a family. It wasn't right. What we should do is act like family and maybe that will bring some life here. It's the wrong way around. This new life provided a family, and out of that, they acted like one. And that's for us here. If you know Christ as your rescuer, you are family. And it starts from that. He's given you new life. You are family. Let's see how we can look like it more and more and more because of what he's provided for us. Jesus' work on the cross does not just forgive you your sins and you go to heaven, although it is that. Just, it's not just that. Jesus' work on the cross is not just in order to rescue you, rescue you from hell. Although it is that. But it's so much more. Jesus' death and resurrection is about releasing humanity from bondage, from the constraints and consequences of sin, and releasing us from death in order to become fully human for eternity. And that starts here. That's who we are. We're saved into something together. You're not just saved into an indiv individual 
independent relationship with God. You're saved into a family. And that's why Relational Mission, I thank God that Relational Mission bears the name it does because we're a family with a purpose, a family with a mission. And that's who we are as Beacon Church. And it starts here, doesn't it? Can I just say thank you so much for the times you love one another, the times I hear about something's happened, but then I immediately in the same conversation find out about how some of you have dealt with it. It's like, oh, better get involved. No, you don't need to because they've done that. It's like, oh, okay, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for the times you cook meals for each other. Thank you for the times you phone each other up. Thank you for the times you give each other lifts, etc., etc., etc. Thank you, genuinely. You do some great, amazing, amazing stuff. And God knows it and God honours it and God loves it. Keep doing it. Do it more. Keep doing it. But we can still, we can always learn, can't we? We can always learn. Do you want to stand? Let's just pray. You might have to squeeze in a bit. I think we should hold hands while we pray. We're family. You might not like each other, but love each other enough to hold hands, even if they're sweaty. Clemmy hands. <laughs> let's hold hands. And let's pray. Can you reach? Even if you've got three hands holding, tag on. Yeah, let me hold the other two. I'm going to join in. I don't want to miss out. Do it this way. I'll face this way so I can pray. Lord, we are family and we are yours because of what you've done. We don't decide to sign up to a club. We are saved into a family as new creations. We are adopted. We have a new name. We are new people in you. Our, our obligations and our debts to our old family are gone. We are yours. And we share in this amazing inheritance you have for us because of what Jesus has done. We celebrate you. We thank you so, so, so much. Lord, help us as we go out into the world, as we, as we go out back into our everyday lives, as we fellowship together or fellowship with our neighbours, with our workmates, whatever it is. Keep reminding us who we are in you. That we are yours, that you are our Father God. Amazing, amazing Papa Daddy. Thank you so much, but help us live like that more. Help us to love each other more so that others will know that we're your disciples, we're your children. So Holy Spirit, even on this Pentecost Sunday, we say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, come. We cannot do this in our own strength. We will always stumble. We will always trip up. We always give in to gossip or snidey remarks or even just snidey thoughts. We can all do that, Lord. But Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, may you stop that in us. Whenever we're tempted, Holy Spirit, stir us and convict us and give us the strength to move on. When we feel apathetic and we don't want to, we can't be bothered to phone that person up or pop around and visit, Holy Spirit, stir us to want to. We need to do it in your strength. So come upon us now, we pray. Reside in us even more and show us the way forward in demonstrating your glory even more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone. Enjoy teas and coffees. If you want prayer for anything, do come.